Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by ACR Poker, where it was just announced that this spring we are having the biggest Venom ever. A $12.5 million, are you kidding me? A $12.5 million guaranteed tournament with the same exact buy-in as always, $2,650. I'm so excited for that. I can hardly wait till April. My name is Clayton Fletcher. I'm in New York City. Wishing you all the happiest of Februarys on this fine Groundhog Day. I hope that you are... Looking forward to the Super Bowl next weekend. I can't believe that my beloved Baltimore Ravens barely missed out and ended up losing to the Kansas City Swifties. I can't believe the Swifties are in the Super Bowl against the Lions. I don't think the Lions have a prayer of beating Patrick Mahomes and the gang. But this, you guys, you know, it's not a football podcast. Although we do delve in that area once in a while. No, we're here for poker. And you guys came out and hung out with me on twitch.tv slash Clayton Comic. And we had the TPE free roll hosted by yours truly for once. Derek Killingbird Tenbush was off in fabulous Atlantic City doing his thing. Although what that thing was may be a story for another day. And I took the reins with my brand new... Barely set up Twitch stream on my little Apple laptop computer. And you know what, guys? We got through it. I thought it was fun. It was great to see so much engagement in the chat. People talking to me, talking to each other. Uh, We changed the delay a little bit so that conversations would be a little bit easier for me to follow. Uh, I did not cash in the free roll. But I did make it pretty far in this $11 PKO that I was playing at the same time. And so, yeah, it was a good Sunday. I just really enjoyed hanging out with everybody and, of course, teasing the non-real ones, a.k.a. the fake ones, also known as the posers, people who pretend to be part of the TPE community, but they're really just here to try to get a crack at their share of $1,000, which should be zero, by the way. I want you guys playing, and that's why I do things the way I do when I give out the free roll password. This week, the free roll is happening on your regularly scheduled station, which is twitch.tv slash killingbird. And if you ever want to know what's going on with the free roll or with any of our giveaways or anything else that's going on at Tournament Poker Edge, the best thing to do is join our Discord. It's absolutely free. Click the link in the description and you can be a part of the conversation. All right. It was so much fun on Twitch last week. Derek called in from Atlantic City, gave everybody some shout-outs. We had some fun with him. Dosi Doe was kind enough to donate $5 for a bounty that no one collected, so it's in my account right now. All you guys were just so awesome. I really enjoyed hosting the free roll, and I'll do it again soon. But next weekend, Super Bowl weekend, guys, I'm going to be 
in Tampa, Florida at Side Splitters Comedy Club. I want you guys to come out, show your support. If you have a copy of the book, bring it with you. I will sign it for you. We can do uh, selfies and post them on Twitter, whatever you guys want. The dates are February 8th, 9th, and 10th. I'm at Side Splitters Comedy Club in the Grove location in Tampa, Florida. I hope to see some of you there. But let's get into poker. Today, I am going to review a couple of hands that were played on day two of last year's World Series of Poker main event. Uh, Before I do that, I want to talk about what GTO Wizard has to say about my play in the Venom PKO that recently happened on ACR Poker and take another look at last week's hands through the lens of the artificial intelligence that powers GTO Wizard. Now, if you guys don't use GTO Wizard, I highly recommend it. It is a great tool. It's very simple. Uh, You can study your game. You can analyze and find holes. You can look at your hands. You can practice different spots over and over until you learn what the GTO solutions are for those spots. Now, I'm not saying that you should play GTO strategies all the time, but I do think it's good to know what those strategies are so that when we deviate, we know what we're deviating from and by how much, which should be based on holes in our opponent's strategies that we think we can exploit. Sign up for GTO Wizard using the link in the description of this podcast episode, and you can save 10% off of your first purchase at GTO Wizard. I think you guys are going to love it. It's so simple. Even a tech fish like me can figure it out. So last week we talked about some hands that I played in the Venom PKO. The blinds were 4,000, 8,000 with a 940 ante. And so we had 750,000 in the stack, which was way up from the starting stack of 300K and right around average. Action folded to me on the button with ace nine offsuit and i decided to min raise solver approves actually solver wants to go a little bigger but yeah always raising ace nine folded to you on the button at this stack depth i think is pretty uncontroversial the small blind folded the big blind called and we saw a flop heads up with 45k in the middle flop was queen of hearts jack of diamonds five of diamonds and my opponent checked to me I decided to check behind. The solver approves 40% of the time, but bets small the other 60% of the time. So betting small is preferred. But I remember saying on last week's episode that I felt there was a better than average chance that my opponent could check raise me and blow me off of the hand based on what I had observed in playing against this gentleman for some length of time. So I felt like he was more loose, aggressive. And so for that reason, I wanted to check back and just try to realize my equity with ace high. So the turn came the jack of clubs pairing the board and my opponent checked again. I decided to check behind again. So we're just keeping the pot small. We have ace high. The turn card changed nothing. And so I checked back. The solver approves also checking back 57% of the time and bets some very small amount the rest of the time. So far, so good. And then on the river, it came the five of spades and my opponent out of nowhere on this double paired board bet two times the pot, 96,000 into the 45,000 
pot and I just didn't know what I should do. I felt like ace high still rated to be best, even facing this over bet. But I incorrectly, I screwed up the math last week, but it's you got to be right about 40, 41% of the time in order for calling to be profitable. And I think I'm probably right closer to 60 or 65% of the time. So I did make the call. Uh, from a GTO standpoint, the solver folds 60% of the time and calls 40% of the time, which makes perfect sense to me given the math that I just shared. So yeah, I'm happy to see that the solver's on board with all of my play in that unusual hand. Uh, a little while later, at the same blind level, you guys may recall there was a raise from early middle position and then a call on my right from the cutoff and I was on the button with 6-5 off suit and I admitted that it's a loose call but I decided to get involved and the solver hates it. It's a pure fold according to GTO Wizard, 100% uh, fold but there's a lot of calling, quite a bit of calling, 65% of the time calling with the suited. Six five, So that's the big difference that being suited makes from the standpoint of game theory optimization. So as we all know, I called anyway and flopped a straight and ended up losing almost all of my chips when I got check raised on the river. All right, let's move on. Okay, so new stuff now. We're getting into the new stuff. Uh, we've been talking a little bit in recent weeks about the World Series of Poker main event. By the way, where's the schedule? You know, I like to start looking at the schedule. The only thing that gets me through the winter, especially before baseball spring training starts, is the schedule. So what's happening this summer? Come on, Caesars Entertainment. It's time for you to share the dates and times of the tournaments of the 2024 World Series. Uh, speaking of baseball, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw, but my beloved Orioles were sold to two billionaires and I think that's going to be great news for everyone in Baltimore who is sick of the ownership group not spending the money to get the players we need to bring home the championship. But again, this is not a sports podcast. All right, so we're in the main event. It is day two. I'm not actually playing at this table. This is uh, as seen on Poker Go. The blinds are 400-800 with an 800 big blind ante. Something like 7,000 players remain in the main event at this point. It is insane. Like they had over 10,000 people enter. And remember, you can't re-enter this thing. I hope they never change that, by the way. The main event has to be a freeze out, right? Can we all agree on that? So here we are early on in day two. And the action folds two folds in third position to none other than Doug Polk. Doug Polk is an excellent poker player. Bracelet winner. He's got... Uh, a card room that he owns in the great state of Texas. And I know a lot of people, they have mixed opinions about him. He's a polarizing figure in the poker community. But I'll be honest, I like the guy. Okay, so I'm happy to see him on my TV screen. He's got 300,000, which is absolutely ridiculous at this stage of the main event where the average stack is something like 85,000. This is crazy that he would have this big of a stack this early on. He is one of the chip leaders in the whole tournament with almost 400 big blinds. That is just ridiculous. An expert player, a world-class player at your table, 
in the biggest tournament of the year, and the guy's got 400 bigs. That's just not fair. It's not fair. Anyway, Doug opens to 1,800 in third position with the Jack of Spades 10 of clubs, and the action folds to our big blind, who is a, I believe, a Croatian player. No, he's from the Czech Republic. His name is Vlatstimil Pustina, and that I'm sure that I absolutely ruined and butchered uh, his first name there, Vlastimil. Anyway, Mr. Pustina defends from the big blind with a stack of only 25,000, about 31 big blinds, and a hand that I will not reveal just yet. So we are going to play this hand from the perspective of Doug Polk. So you've raised from third position, called by the big blind, who puts in 1,800 of his 25,000 stack. And now, with 4,800 in the middle, Pustina having the uh, effective stack of 23,000, the flop comes 10 of hearts, 9 of diamonds, 8 of clubs. 10, 9, 8, rainbow, hero with the jack-10 offsuit for top pair and an open-ended straight draw. Pustina checks to the razor, which we will probably expect him to do the vast majority of the time, if not all the time, and the action is on Doug Polk. Well, obviously, I think this is a perfectly good flop for a C-bet. You can make a case for checking it back. Maybe you can inspire some bluffing from your opponent. Maybe get a call later from a hand that would have folded on the flop, but that Jack-10 can still beat at the end of the day. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm all for all those arguments, but I think that I'm probably betting pretty close to 100% of the time here. And Polk agrees with me and puts in half the pot, 2,400 into 4,800, and Pustina calls. Now, remember, we haven't said what he holds in his hand just yet. The pot is now... 9,600, and Pustina has about 20K remaining in his stack. And the turn comes the six of diamonds. So our board is now 10 of hearts, nine of diamonds, eight of clubs, six of diamonds. So any seven has a straight, and the backdoor diamonds have shown themselves. So now with 9,600 in the middle, Pustina wakes up and bets. He puts in 2,100 into the 9,600 pot. So what to make of this from a short stack? The check call lead is very interesting. I mean, does it have to be a hand that can beat Jack-10? If it does beat Jack-10, shouldn't we still call with the open ender? Is there any reason for Polk to raise here? Maybe try to get all in against a hand like 8-5 of diamonds or ace-8 of diamonds, something like that. I mean, I think there's a case to be made, but, you know, there's no reason for Polk to uh, increase his variance. It's fine to just call and see what happens on the river. There's some chance a pair of 10s is still good, of course. Top pair is usually good. But, yeah, that six of diamonds does present a few different problems. So Polk does make the call. And now with 13,800 in the middle, Pustina with just 18,000 remaining in his stack, the river comes the eight of diamonds, pairing the board and completing the backdoor flush draw. So our final board is 10 of hearts, nine of diamonds, eight of clubs, six of diamonds, eight of diamonds. So now Pustina bets 4,100 
into a pot of almost 14,000 and Doug Polk getting better than four to one has a decision with his pair of tens. Now in Polk's shoes, I think a very important question to ask oneself is, what can I beat? You know, what does he bet the turn with that doesn't have me beat now on the river? And honestly, guys, I can't think of a single hand. I really can't. I don't know. Like, does he lead out with a pair of nines? Or, I mean, every draw came in. And you can see Polk on the video. You know, he's getting more than four to one. He, he needs less than 20% chances of winning in order to make calling break even. And yet, if there's nothing we can beat, then it really doesn't matter what pot odds we're getting because we can't beat anything. What is the guy bluffing with? I really can't think of a single hand. I don't blame Doug for folding and it turns out he was up against a straight flush guy seven five of diamonds got there i mean he was already there with a with a winning straight on the turn but doug had outs against that hand but then on the river the eight of diamonds really sealed the deal completing the straight flush for pustina but for pustina despite having good fortune in that hand he did not end up cashing in the largest main event in history. All right, let's do one more hand from this same level, maybe like about half an hour later. You guys have to remember, the main event has two-hour levels. So just because two hands were played in the same level doesn't mean that they were necessarily played back-to-back. So it's still 400-800. And in second position, off of a stack of 80,000, a player named Aditya Presetio, who's been around for quite some time, about $2 million in lifetime caches, an American from Massachusetts. He min-raises to 1600 off of his 100 big blind stack with Ace of Hearts, King of Clubs. Uh, the action folds around to the cutoff, who is an older gentleman, last name Owens, who has been very snug, very, very tight. And he puts in the world's smallest three bet. He makes it 3,300 off of his 100 big blind 80,000 stack. And now the action folds to the small blind, a player from China named Liang, who has 174,000 in his stack. So 200 big blinds. We are playing some deep stack poker here. So it's a little strange to see someone cold call a three bet from the small blind. And I imagine that solvers would probably have us never or at least almost never doing that. Like If you're not happy to four bet facing this action, it's probably better to just fold. I mean, too many things can go wrong. Even if they just all call, you're still going to have to see a flop from out of position in an inflated multi-way pot where you have shown zero aggression so far. It's just not a good recipe. So I'm not really sure if he's never, ever, ever supposed to cold call from the small blind, but I don't think it's something we're supposed to be doing a lot of, if ever. But he does cold call. And by the way, guys, I'll tell you what everyone had in just a minute. Uh, at that point, the pot was 9,800. After the raise and the three bet and the cold call, we've got 9,800 in the middle, about 12 times the big blind. And now it's up to our original razor, the, the big blind folds. And our original raiser, Aditya Persetio, goes all in for 80000 with the Ace-King. This really shocked me, guys. I do not like 
this play one bit. In Presetio's shoes, I think that four betting is totally fine. I might have made it like 14,000, 16,000, something in that neighborhood just to, you know, kind of see who's serious and who isn't. I don't see any point in putting in a hundred times the big blind with this many opponents, one of whom has already three bet me and one who cold called out of the small blind. And I can't know that that's not a trap waiting to happen. So yeah, I hate this play with ace king. I think this is way too much risk for not enough potential reward. Obviously he was trying to take it down and just win the 9,800 that's already out there, but risking my entire 80,000 stack Really, you're never getting called unless somebody has queens or better. And if they've got kings or aces, you're really in trouble. And I know you block those hands, but that doesn't mean it's impossible for anyone else to have them. Look, the main event is a very slow structure. You can play much more methodically. You never really have to put in 100 big blinds into a pot that only has 12 big blinds in it. In any tournament that you're playing, but especially not this one where the structure is so slow and it's just, it's a two-week tournament. There's no reason to try to invite a coin flip or worse at this point in the game with just ace-king. I don't like it. I don't like it, but it did work out for him. Everyone else folded, and now I'm happy to tell you guys what the other players had so we opened with ace-king offsuit. We got three bet by an old man who hadn't really played too many pots at all. And oddly, he had the ace of diamonds, ten of diamonds. Kind of random, but I guess he didn't want to flat, so he just put in the smallest three bet. Uh, the small blind who flatted had pocket fours. So it kind of makes sense, but the problem with playing that way is it looks like exactly what it is. A pocket pair that doesn't want to keep raising. So, I mean, good for Prosetio for taking it down and winning the pot and not busting out of the main event with ace-king and 100 big blinds all in pre. But yeah, I just, I don't like the uh, risk to reward ratio, if you will. I don't like the ROI there of just winning 9,800 and having to risk 80,000 to do it. That's going to do it for this episode. Guys, if you're not yet on ACR Poker, I recommend you join now and get involved. Try to like rack up enough of a bankroll to join me in April for the $12.5 million biggest Venom in history. I can't wait to play that tournament in my pajamas. <laughs> and if you want to join ACR Poker, just click the link in the description of this podcast and you can get a 100% first-time deposit bonus up to $2,000 by using the promo code TVE. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, with special thanks as always to our very generous sponsor, ACR Poker, my name is Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart
Fun, fun, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 